Cast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Kathy Zaka. Hi, I'm Susan Offen. And I'm Laura Potter. And we're your hosts today for Pure Truth. We want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for listening. Today we will be talking about fear. And our scripture for today is from Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. All right, here we go. This is a heavy topic. Fear is a heavy topic. So we're going to split this one up into two different episodes so you can come back next week and listen to part two. Uh, Fear is another one of the many topics that we know that God wanted us to discuss, and it's very relevant to what's currently going on all around the world, and it is a subject that we knew in our hearts would be one that he wanted us to cover in depth. So we're going to do our best. We're going to do our best to honor what the Lord has requested from us. Yep. All right, Susan. Can you give us a good description of fear? Sure. I think it's safe to say all of us have experienced fear at some point in our lives. In June Hunt's book, she says fear in her book, Fear No Longer Afraid, she explains that fear is a strong emotional reaction to a perceived imminent danger characterized by a fight, flight, or freeze response. Fear can be real or imagined rational or irrational, normal or abnormal. Fear acts as a protective reaction placed in us by our creator to activate all our physical defense systems when we face real danger. So it does come from him to protect us. Mm -hmm. Um, Fear triggers the release of adrenaline in the body, which both prepares and propels us to action, often called fight or flight. And fear is a natural emotion designed by God However, fearfulness is not designed by God, for fearfulness means living in a state of fear. Mm-hmm. And he never meant that for us. No, right. Absolutely not. Um, fear in Hebrew is yar, which means to be afraid, stand in awe, or fear. Wow, that's a great description. You know, fear's scary, right? And I don't think anybody truly understands how much damage fear does to our physical bodies as well as our minds. You know, it could destroy us. Mm-hmm. Yes, it can. Yeah. You know, I had a dream given to me years ago, and in the dream, uh, what I saw was I, I was in a game show. Okay, wow. And, yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there was a woman at the game show, and she was the host, and she asked the audience this question. She said, what's the one thing man fears most? And, you know, people in the audience began shouting out their answers, like spiders and fear of heights or fear of death or... Uh, you know, public speaking. Yeah. And then the host turned her head and she looked directly at me, like very slowly, looking me directly in the eyes. And she said, No, the one thing man fears most is truth. Wow. Hmm. Which was like, Wow. Yeah. Okay. You know, when I woke up from that dream, I, I just began to really ponder it and think about it. And I thought, Why would God give me that dream? Why would people be most afraid of truth? 
you know, what is it about truth that would cause people to be afraid? Yeah. You know, my mind immediately went, you know, to the thought that if people were hiding something, of course, you know, they didn't want others to know or find out about it, they would definitely fear the truth coming out. Mm. But people also fear what they don't understand or what they cannot see. That's true. You know? Yep. And then my mind went to the thought that, you know, there are many people who are afraid of uncovering things that would get to the root issue of their fears because they fear what they might discover. You know, but truth, when I think about it, truth is a liberator, yeah. not an enslaver. Truth sets us free from the things that hold us captive in this world and hold us back from moving forward in this life. Because, you know, like in John 8, 31 through 32, it says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's good. You know, think yes. about what we're experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. Do we know people, and we won't say who, but do we know some people that are hiding some things, actually many things from all of us right now, right? These people are instilling fear in us, but really, they fear that their truth or their actions are going to be found out. Mm-hmm. So what do they do? They throw more fear at us. They try to control us with that. Mm-hmm. You know, but people can only take so much before they start fighting back. And that's what's happening. <clears throat> this season we are in will not last much longer because God is, he's, he's had enough, one. And two, he says it's not going to last much longer. Mm-hmm. And he's asked us not to be afraid, but to trust in him. Right. And I love what you said, Laura, about truth being a liberator, not an enslaver. Right. Truth yes. does set us free from everything that holds us captive. And our Father in Heaven is going to set us free with His truth. So hold on tight. The ride's going to get a little bit bumpy, but I'm ready. I'm so ready to put this oh, yeah. whole season, this whole thing that we're going mm-hmm. through behind us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. All right, so let's dive a little bit deeper into fear. When I think of fear, it encompasses so many things. Like, you know, like Laura said earlier, fear of spiders, scorpions, roaches, ugh. Snakes. Snakes. (laughs) Actually, I have a huge fear of any bug that flies or buzzes around me. You will see me (laughs) swatting, dancing, or running. If there's any bug that's buzzing around me, I just don't like them. Doing a dance. Yep. (laughs) That's me. My my kids laugh at me all the time. Um, And I do have a fear of snakes. I mean, who doesn't? A fear of an aggressive dog, fear of lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. Yeah. (laughs) You get the picture? Those are obvious things, right? But then there's fear of sickness. I have my share of many things that have been passed down through my family, as Mm -hmm. I'm sure many people do, right? And we live in fear, wondering if it's going to happen to us. Mm -hmm. And I used to have a great fear of the devil. He's scary, and he thrives on all of God's children being scared of him. I've had many encounters with him, none of them fun. And it's part of my testimony of how I got saved, as a matter of fact. Right. So then there's fear of our children, our spouse getting hurt or dying, or someone we love, right? And there's a fear of not having enough to eat or enough money to pay the bills. I've been there. You know, not fun. Yeah. You know what, Kathy, back where you, you were saying that there's a fear of sickness, you know, yeah. I just think of many times within our family, we hear, oh, you know, the sheet that you fill out in the doctor's office. Yes. Oh, what is your family history? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you immediately think, oh, <coughs> it's some fear. Yeah, you think you're going to get have the same issues as your right. parents. It is good to know background, but Diabetes, that doesn't mean cancer, heart, yeah. heart, right, all of that stuff. But it's a lie to believe that you're going to have the same. It is issues. absolutely a lie. Right. Right. We, we don't come into agreement with that, right? Right. We right. can stand against that yes. and say, okay, I'm not going to accept that. Right. And I renounce right. that from my bloodline, from my family. You can take action. You sure God can. teaches us how to do that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and we're going to do a whole episode on, on how to 
to take deal with all those stuff. Right. Yeah, that's good. It's coming soon. Yes. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and you could also have a fear of speaking in front of people, you know, or you might fear what people think of you. What Susan about- just raised her hand. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I love it. Uh, what about fear of flying on a plane or fear of mm-hmm. failure or rejection? Yeah, you know, uh, I think I've definitely dealt with that. Always, yeah, uh, yeah. When I was growing up, yeah. Yep. So you know, fear can come from something you feel, you see, hear, experience, sense, touch, or even smell. You could have a fear of being hurt by someone you love, physically, emotionally, or mentally. Mm-hmm. You could have a fear of dying a, tor- a horrible death. Maybe you've been in a car accident, and now you fear driving a car. Right. Something could have happened to you in your childhood that causes you major anxiety and fear now as an adult. And then there's the fear that has been put on all of us over the past several years. And I'm referring to COVID-19. There was so much information being thrown at us, and we assumed the worst, that this could cause death, right? Mm -hmm. And fear skyrocketed all around the world. Yeah. There are many more different types of fear that people experience in their lives every single day. And some of these fears can seem irrational. But to the person that's experiencing it, it is a real and valid fear. And the list could go on and on. So the question is, why? Why do we fear? And more importantly, what does God say about fear? Well, he actually has a lot to say about fear. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, fear is mentioned. The word fear is mentioned in the Bible over 500 times. There are many fear nots or do not fear, as well as many you must fear God. You know, when it says to fear God, it means we are to reverence God and we are not to fear anyone or anything else. So that means God wants us to get it, to soak it into our being. We're not to fear anything. And I'm going to read a few scriptures here that tell us not to fear. In 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 7, it says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Joshua one mm-hmm. verse nine, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not tremble or be dis- or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And another good one, Deuteronomy thirty one verse six, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail or forsake you. Mm-hmm. And there are many Bible verses that talk about fear, and there are reasons that God talks about it so much. And today, you're going to be hearing many of them throughout this episode, just so you know, (laughs) preparing you. Yeah, you know, Kathy, while you're reading scripture about fear, I'd like to refer to the story of Gideon in the Bible. It's an excellent example of how fear can take hold of us until we surrender to the will of God. Yeah. And it says in Judges 6, 3 through 4, Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites and other enemies invaded the country. They ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. Understandably, his heart is terrorized with fear. Right. An angel announces to Gideon that he is to lead the battle against his greatest enemy, an enemy that vastly outnumbers his army, Mm. one greatly feared by everyone and feared for good reason. The mammoth Midianites have been ravaging and ransacking his people at will, leaving death and destruction in their wake. In Judges 6.27, it says that Gideon was afraid. Imagine being asked to do something you know you can't do. Yeah. Like Gideon, rather than attempting to meet the challenge, you find yourself responding, thanks, but no thanks. (laughs) You've got the wrong person. That would be me. (laughs) Nope. 
I'm good. Right. I'm good. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. This is what blew me away by Gideon. And I really encourage anyone to read the story all the way through on their own because it, it, it'll speak to each person individually. Mm-hmm. Right. God spoke to me through reading the story and preparing for this episode. I was like, that's me. I can so relate. Yeah. And after Gideon admitted he didn't want to meet the challenge and was like, you've got the wrong person, and the angel announced that he was to lead the battle and deliver his instructions, Gideon begins to wonder, if the Lord is really with us, why has all this evil happened? Right. It's kind of like, I think, what people are thinking today in yeah, the world. I've done mm-hmm. that many times. Right? Yeah. yeah. Gideon makes it clear that if God wants a deliverer, the fragile farmer definitely is not the man for the job. After all, he's the least in the family and his family belonging to the weakest clan in the smallest tribe of Manasseh. Cowering with the angst of anxiety, Gideon exclaims, how can I save Israel? He didn't feel good enough. No. He just felt like I'm this, you know, podunk town with, you know, this little bitty family. (laughs) Right. (laughs) There's no way, Lord. Why are you asking me to do this? (laughs) (laughs) Didn't match up. Yeah. I know times in my own life in which I've, I have avoided situations or I heard to step forward and do something in faith from God. And I've been like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> There's no way, Lord. Yeah. And funny how I tell God what my plans are. Mm-hmm. Or I don't feel like it's right. Then God doesn't back down and gently puts several reminders in front of me. Yes. <laughs> to encourage me to move forward in obedience. And scripture keeps bringing up encouraging words and prayer each day to to help me gain courage to obey. Yeah. I have an example of a fearful situation I felt directed by God to face a couple of years ago. And this is difficult for me to talk about because I grew up in a very private family. I believe, as we mentioned in our previous Boundaries episode, my family was a closed boundary system to the outside world. We kept everything inside our walls Mm -hmm. growing up. And I, I would revisit my home in New York each June and stay for the month to spend time there and also see my mom, who lived five minutes down the road. Mm-hmm. This particular time, I noticed a huge difference in my mom. She just seemed exhausted and really confused. The next morning after arriving in New York, I called my mom on her phone, and her phone line was beeping like it was out of service. My mom suffered from dementia, and I noticed she had pulled the phone cord out of the wall again. My family and I were on a group text for years. Everyone in the family was on high alert as to how she was coming along with dementia. Wow. I drove down to her home, and she was at the end of the driveway shouting to our lifelong neighbors for help. I walked my mom back into the house, and she laid back on the couch so confused. I bet you were scared. I bet I was petrified. Yeah. Just to see her like that, you know? Yeah. And, and you just know that the, the, deterior, the deterioration is it's progressing. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be you, you, difficult. You can't, you can't even define it at right. the moment. Right. It just You're trying to emotionally get it together. Right. Seeing someone so strong in your life, yeah. so full of faith at a very delicate moment yes. is tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and you as the child have to there. turn yeah. and give the help to your mom. Yeah. You yes. know, when she's helped you all your Switches. life. And with dementia, you don't, they don't know. Right. And you can't really talk to them. You can't reason. About that. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Wow. So I quickly cooked her up some breakfast and she was revived instantly with energy. So it's almost like something, like nothing ever happened. So then you feel crazy. Yeah. Because they're suddenly feeling better. Yeah. And. Like um, coming too. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so nothing, again, is making sense because it's like they came back to be being aware. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, what? That didn't happen. Yeah. That wasn't real. Yeah. <laughs> yes, like it was all mom. a dream. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The dream and then she woke up. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I tried to discuss with her that her being alone couldn't continue. Right. That didn't go well. Yeah. <laughs> we needed to either find someone that could move in with her to take care of her full time or we would have to move her into a community living center. I knew there was no chance of having this conversation with her. She wouldn't be able to understand why why I wanted to have this conversation. Right. Yeah. So I plugged her phone back in the wall and I wrote in black Sharpie on a note, please do not pull out <laughs> again. <laughs> Directions. She, yeah. And she dozed off into a nap on the couch. I left to drive back to my house and I was petrified. I was filled with so much fear. Yeah, mm. I could imagine. I couldn't continue to see her struggle like this. She lived in a two-story house with a little dog who was very easy to trip over, like the stairs. or mm-hmm. you know. I knew it was time for me and my family to make a decision on what was best for her. My tra- prayer times were becoming more confirmation each day. However, I truly felt like Gideon. Why me? I felt yeah. like I had to become her enemy and orchestrate her moving with my family into an assisted living home, which was the last thing I could ever imagine doing. Right. My siblings and I drove our mom to the assisted living home, and we met in the conference room with my mom and staff, and we eventually left. One sibling stayed behind with her for quite a while, but my mom's anger was one I've never seen before. Wow, goodness. Even though I had received confirmation from God, it did not make the situation any easier. I'm sure, yeah. I felt horrible, and I felt a guilt I've never experienced before. I will say, I did fear her wrath and discomfort, but I also knew she was safe, and I know my siblings did too. It was a very rocky road for a while. That had to be comforting to you. You know, even though it was a difficult decision, ultimately you do. You didn't want to come home and find your mom at the bottom of the stairs or right. had, had hit her head because she right. tripped or, mm-hmm. she had, or lost. Or she lost was, in the town, right. the next mm-hmm. town right. over. Because it was a very remote area, right, yes. that she lived in. Yes. So there's just no telling. So this had to be so comforting to you. Yeah, and definitely. Your you know, your, your brothers and sisters too, you know? Yeah. Wow. So I have some quotes and scriptures I would like to share that helped me during this difficult time <clears throat> because I solely relied on the word mm-hmm. yeah. John sixteen twenty four says until now you have not asked anything in my name ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete that's good here's a quote from Oswald Chambers in his devotional book um, my utmost for his highest yes love that one yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. my goal is God himself not joy or peace nor even blessing but himself my God so good Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And there's another quote from Oswald Chambers. Divine concept of control. You, you, use, you used to go from one person to person seeking help, but now you go to God about it. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got a great devotional book yeah. that just helps you. Just really, your mind is focused on him. And it's more of a sanctification process that you go through when you read this devotional book. It's really good. It is really it's good. That's why I like it. Cuts quotes. through everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. In Proverbs 3 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. 
Psalm 34, 5 says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never converted with shame. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I bet that helped you with your mom a lot. Because you felt, it did. you know, kind of, you know, that, that conviction of, did I do the right thing? Yeah, you know, shame. Guilt and shame, yeah. you know. But when you look to the Lord, he fills your your heart and your mind and your face even shows the radiance of of that you know his glory you know his yeah. truth and it just it, it it lightens your whole mood it lightens your whole thought process right you know when you're ridden with guilt or shame that that comes from the enemy not from god right but his word fills you with hope and light and truth and lifts you up out of yes. that That's yes good. to let you know you did the right thing yes yeah wow yeah, it, um, Ephesians six sixteen says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the of the evil one. Mm-hmm. That's a good one, yeah. You know, and like you're saying, Laura, when you go through a hard time, mm-hmm. it's hard to breathe. Right. Right. It's so you rely on the scriptures, God's word, His breath to yes. breathe life into you yes. again. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. And Isaiah twelve two says, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He he has become my salvation. Amen. Mm-hmm. And one last quote from Oswald Chambers. God doesn't say be spiritual, but he says walk before me. Yeah. So that's good. Mm-hmm. And Genesis seventeen one. This is it, folks. <laughs> when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. That's good. So, mm-hmm. like we're saying, you can always count on God's word to get you through the really tough times. And these Bible verses really helped me. And, okay. I, you know, everyone's got to find their own yeah. for each life circumstance. For They're there. They're in the good book. Yeah, yeah but there's always a scripture for every yes. circumstance. Every single time. Yeah, it's very true. Yep. Mm-hmm. So back to the story of Gideon. When the Lord gives Gideon the directive, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. He's not giving Gideon a pep talk or a lesson in positive thinking. Yeah. Rather, he's referring to his own strength, God's strength, operating inside Gideon. This becomes clear with his promise, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Nevertheless, Gideon wants proof that both the message and the messenger are truly from God, and indeed he receives it. We all want that proof, don't we? Yes. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, I kept thinking, go in the strength that you have, Gideon. Okay, so he only had a little bit. Right. But God, you know. God used that. Right. He had something to work with. Right. Mm-hmm. Just if you're faithful in little things, I'll do greater things through you. You know, yes. just just give me what you got. Yes, and yep. and that's all he asks. And then God can multiply it, just like the loaves and the fishes. You know, yes, he multiplies it and, and allows him to do uh, what God wanted him to do. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. He puts his super on our natural. There you go. That's what <laughs> I was thinking. He puts his super on the natural. <laughs> so Gideon presents to God an offering of meat and unleavened bread. And the moment the angel touches the offering with his staff, fire flames from the rock. The offering is incinerated, and the angel disappears, vanishes without a trace. In Judges 6.22, it says, When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he explained, Ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. 
Interesting. Now, Gideon realized he had encountered an angel of the Lord, meaning he saw a manifestation of the Lord God himself, not merely an angel. Uh-huh. And then religion set in. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get us on a different path, Does that mean if you see God, you're going to die? Yeah. <laughs> Gideon knew this could mean a sudden death. Right. God had told Moses, no one may see me and live, meaning seeing God in his essential glory. Right. Yeah. So in Judges 6.23, but the Lord said to Gideon, peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. You're not going to die, Gideon. Nope. Just relax. Just gotta be out. March on. Do your thing. <laughs> Fortunately, the Lord's assurance prevents Gideon from experiencing profound panic, like a full-blown panic attack. Mm-hmm. Yet there are many things in life that can cause us to feel overwhelmed with fright or filled with terror. And we feel the sense of panic expressed in Psalm 55, 5. It says, fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. Mm -hmm. The definition of a panic attack is that they're sudden, brief episodes of intense fear with multiple physical symptoms such as heart palpitations and dizziness, but without any precipitating external threat. Have you all ever had any uh, panic attacks? Yes. Have you? Could you say that you have? No, (laughs) I don't think I've ever had a panic attack, you know, because when I think of a panic attack, I think kind of like a, it's almost like a fake heart attack. Yeah, it is similar to it. But I've never had that, but I've heard other people have them. Yeah. Yes. I've had a couple, but, uh, um, you know, I... They're not fun. They're not, and you feel like you're dying. That would be scary. Uh, Yeah, and it's the whole get the paper bag and breathe in and breathe out of it, so kind of just catch your breath, Mm -hmm. because you feel like you can't breathe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's scary. It's it is scary. I've seized up with fear. Yeah. You know, not like a seizure, but I've seized up like frozen. Right. You know, because of what what I'm about to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, I did. I experienced fear like Gideon, but not an not anxiety attack, but I was I was always had this fear of Satan. Yeah. You know, and anything demonic. Right. Uh, for me, years of my life, you know, I was captive to fear. And, you know, fear set in into my mind at the, a very early age, I think because I was uh, saved at the age of seven. Yeah. I think the enemy was after me from the, the get-go. Very young age. Yeah. So as I mentioned before in, in other episode, the other episode I did on dreams, uh, God gave me a dream when I was a little girl that I believe was planted in my mind to help me equip for the battles that lay ahead of me. And in the dream, I saw myself running in this open field, and I'm running away from Satan, and he's chasing me down, gaining speed on me, and I'm, I feel like I'm running in slow motion. You know, you've all, have you had dreams like that, where yeah. you're running in slow motion, like, ah, you know. He's going to get me. Right. I'm trying to get away from him, and I see my father, and I run to my dad, and I hold on to his legs, you know, and my father holds out his big black Bible, points it at Satan, and he leaves us, and then I wake up. Yeah, that was the dream I would have all over and over again. And now I was just a little child, but I never really analyzed my dreams like I do now. You know, I write them down now as an adult, but I can still see that dream in my mind as clear as ever because it was ingrained in me, you know, Mm -hmm. having it so many times. I now know the interpretation of that dream was God was showing me that when I'm being pursued or attacked by Satan or any demonic spirit, I'm to run to my heavenly father and use his word as a weapon to fight against Satan and rebuke him, and he has to leave me. I mean, that's the authority of God. That's right. Right? Yes. And I surrendered my life, like I said, at 
you know, to Jesus at the age of seven. So I began receiving dreams like this, and I also believe that he gave me a gift of discernment uh, at a, you know, as soon as I was saved, where I became very aware of the spiritual atmosphere, you know, wherever I yes. would go. I could just, you know, like I describe it as like a spiritual antenna, you know, and wherever I would go into a room or I'd go into a place uh, or encounter a person, I'd know right away whether that, the, you know, the spiritual atmosphere was good or evil, you know, whether a person carried the spirit of God or was working in something lesser, you know. Wow. So whenever I encountered a demonic presence, I felt it right away, and I was immediately filled with fear. And my head would go down. That was just kind of what would happen. My head went down in that downward posture, you That's know, where like you would, you would freeze up, like, like cowering. Yeah, yep. I just freeze up and I'd cower with fear. And when I was younger, I didn't know God's word fully or understand the authority of Christ within me that comes, you know, when you receive Him into your life. I was just reacting just like everybody else would in their flesh. And as a matter of fact, I was also reacting how I'd seen others react when they were afraid. I mean, I was a very good observer of human behavior. I've always been a people watcher, unfortunately. <laughs> no, and that's a good thing, you know. But the problem is, I, you know, I'd watch many people and many Christians even, you know, react in the same way, especially if they were talking about anything demonic. So it was like a built-in response, but also a learned response. Yeah, hmm. as good. a kid. Yeah, yeah. You know, we really do fear many things. It's, yeah. it's just yeah. so the list goes on and on. Evident, right? But why yes. do we do this? Why do we do it? Well, the answer is because our enemy, Satan, could use it against us. In fact, it's one of the main tools in his arsenal of weapons. Mm -hmm. He uses fear because it stops us from doing what God has called us to do, and we know from John ten ten that the enemy's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy each one of us. Mm -hmm. So if you're scared of anything, then you've been listening to the enemy's voice, and he is continually using his scare tactics to manipulate and control you, to keep you separated from God. With God, there's never any fear. And when you have an intimate relationship with God, fear will no longer control you. Right. It's that simple. Seems that simple, right? Mm -hmm. God's plan is the opposite of fear. He wants you to have an abundant life of peace, love, and joy. He wants you to prosper, to bless others. He doesn't want you to fear anything. And I'm going to read some more Bible verses about fear. This is a good one. Isaiah 41, 13 says, For I am the Lord your God, who upholds your right hand, who says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. And then Isaiah 43, 1, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. And then I love the book of Psalms. There are many great verses about fear in this yeah. in the book of Psalms. Psalm 24 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalms 27.1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is, is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Psalm 34.4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. And another good one from Psalms is 56, 3 through 4. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What could, be, what could mere man do to me? And I want to say this too. I have now been to heaven many times. I can tell you there is no fear in heaven. Mm -hmm. There's no sorrow, pain, depression, or sickness there. There are only good things in heaven. And God is not the author of fear. Satan is the author of fear. Mm -hmm. And he uses it against you. 
He uses it against every single one of us. Yeah. Oh, yes, he does. Yeah. You know, it was really important for me to discover the root of my fear. For example, I read through a list of questions, but first asked myself the following question. Is my fear rooted in the past or is it current? What past trauma first instilled my fear? And so I thought about it and I thought, you know, my dad served in the Navy for 20 years and he was up for another promotion, but he chose to retire and move to upstate New York. And we lived in a rental family farmhouse until our own house was built. This was a very stressful time as my dad was adjusting to civilian life. He would spend months away from us. Mm-hmm. So, And he was now looking for a new job. I didn't experience any other children besides my siblings yeah. <laughs> or social activity before starting school. We didn't have pre-K in the 70s where we lived. Mm-hmm. And come to think of it, we didn't really have an adult social interaction either outside of church. Wow. And we had just moved, so we yeah. didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so soon after we moved into our new house, I started kindergarten. And I started off okay, and I did okay for probably three weeks. Yeah. But then I became suddenly petrified of this teacher. She was very stoic looking and had a very stern voice. And it was almost like the newness of an adventurous beginning wore off in a rigid routine along with her perfectionism set in. I never remember her smiling. Oh, that's scary. And she, you know, she was with us all day. A music teacher didn't come in. She did the music. Oh, okay. It was all day thing. Yeah. I started to fear going to school. In the middle of winter, I even learned to forget to bring my shoes in my bag (laughs) while wearing my winter boots to school so my mother would have to bring them in to me at school. (laughs) And you're like, Mom, hey, Mom, take me me home. break. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so in the classroom, I soon began to cry, feeling scared and trapped. And seeing me cry, my teacher lost her patience and went into a long speech about how wrong it was to cry. And oh, crying, nice. Right. Crying was nonsense and for babies. So she oh. put me in the corner in the back of the room with my back to the kids and classroom and told me to stay there until I stopped crying. Wow. This was traumatizing to me. Well, yep. yeah. Yep. I even felt more trapped. And yeah. It was here I learned to not let my emotions show or fears or concerns or joys. Right. Mind you, I don't, I don't really remember talking about it much at home either. I just learned to cope. You kept it all inside. Mm. I did. Yeah. I think a lot of kids did back then, too. You know, we yeah. weren't taught to talk about things and express yeah. your fi- It was just, well, deal with it. It got in the way yeah. Yeah. of mm-hmm. their job. And you just do what you got to do. Yeah. yeah. You know? Wow. So I also had four other brothers and sisters and cousins all going to the same school, but I was the only family member to be in her classroom since I was the youngest. So it's not like anybody could tell me how to deal with her. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Um, I remember this fear reoccurring until maybe the end of second grade. In discovering this root of fear, I answered these following questions. What past trauma instilled my fear? What past fear am I bringing into the present? When did I first experience this fear? And how old am I emotionally when I'm feeling this fear? Where am I when I am feeling this fear? What is going on when I'm feeling this fear? How is this fear affecting my life now? And what is it costing me? Mm. Wow. It was helpful for me to ask God to show me other past situations or current situations that were rooted in fear and ask myself these same questions. 
sometimes a pattern might appear, like in journaling or talking to others, simply because of exposure to similar situations. Also, the enemy knows how to deceive us by using fear or similar situations to get in our thoughts and intimidate us. Mm. My goodness. That's That's awful. Yeah. You know, like Susan was talking about, I had to look at where the roots of my fear originated from, you know, because I began battling fear at such an early age. When I was in elementary school, beginning in third grade, I had a teacher, you know, like Susan, you know, that uh, wasn't very nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she like she didn't like me very, or he didn't like me very much, and he had his favorites in the class, and I definitely was not one of them. Uh-oh. Uh, the one subject that I struggled with and had a harder time catching up with, you know, than the rest of the class was math. I'm sure a lot of people struggle with that. I think yes, that's probably the yeah. one subject, math. <laughs> it seemed that just, you know, like when I would, be, would begin to grasp the concept, the teacher was already moving on to the next thing. So I was just a little bit slower in catching on to those things in math, you know. And this teacher loved to have us work out our math problems up at the chalkboard uh, in front of where? The uh, whole class, and you know. And we know all three of us hate being in front of people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so whenever I was called to work out the problem at the board, I reluctantly, you know, walked up to the front of the class and would go try and work out the problem. But I was so filled with anxiety and fear of just doing it wrong that I think, you know, I couldn't even think straight. Well, yeah. yeah. You know, you, you just, your mind just kind of goes into this. It shuts down. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. What? <laughs> you know, I do my best, but many times I just couldn't even work the problem. I just stood there and I stared at the board, yeah. which was really hard because yeah. that's humiliating and the teacher would let out a big sigh you know and say ah, johnson go sit down that was my maiden name yeah and he never called me by my first name it was always my last name like like an as an insult right you know it's horrible yeah. yeah you know and it was in third grade that we were introduced to learning our multiplication tables right everybody you remember that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i and it, you know that it, it took plain old memorization back then you know you just had to know it or you didn't yeah. and my parents would spend every evening drilling me with multiplication cards after dinner until i learned them and it was tough you know um because i remember many times where my mom and dad just got so frustrated with me and you know i wasn't getting it and they're like just go to bed laura you know, because I, I just, just made it wasn't, worse. It yeah, piled it on. Yeah, and you know, my parents are parents. You know, yeah. everybody's. You know, oh, yeah. you're not. You may not even be thinking. Oh, you know. Yeah. Let's let's work through this. With <laughs> they were trying to do their best. Right. Let's just put it that way. Right. They're of a different generation yeah. too. So, you know, but it was just it made it even harder. You know, not getting that support as as I needed. Right. And so that that whole year was a big struggle for me. And the teacher seemed to take delight in humiliating me and belittling me in front of my classmates. And I gained a, a reputation in the class for being stupid. And this teacher put me in all the sm- slower groups. You know, not just math, but it with he just decided I'm slow at everything. So he put me in all the other slower subjects too. Yeah. And uh, I was really That's glad. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah, it was horrible. And Good. I was just really glad when third grade was over and I was looking forward to getting a new teacher and having a new start, right. you know. Well, that teacher decided that he enjoyed our class so much that he was going to go and move up with us and teach us for another uh, year, oh, fourth grade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So wow. I was so upset. Uh, yeah. I and I cried too. and I complained to my parents, you yeah. know. We were in a very small school district, you know, kind of like Susan, and there was only one teacher for each class, 
for each grade, you know, so mm-hmm. like this room is first grade, this group room is second grade. Right. And I was just stuck with him for another whole year. Oh, you poor thing. That's torture. So, you know, needless to say, another full year with this teacher securely instilled the lie within me that I was really stupid and slow and I would never become one of the smart kids. Wow. And I struggled all throughout my school career believing the lie that I just wasn't smart enough. And that beliefs also sunk into me so deep that I never thought I was good enough for anything. And low self-esteem set into me big time. Yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, guys, I mean, all through school, I, I never even thought I was halfway decent looking. Yeah. I didn't think I was good at anything. I never tried out for anything because I thought I'll lose. I, I won't make it. You know, right. I was going to try out for cheerleading. No. And it yeah. was just that low self-esteem holds you back from everything. Right. You know. Sure does. Yeah. It's so unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because there's so many things that you could be good at, and it's just a lie. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I developed a hatred for school because and learning because I, uh, honestly, I just couldn't wait to graduate. Right. And I never wanted to return to school again. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you know, my plan to work a job after graduation, just make some money, you know, it lasted about six months. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I can't do this. (laughs) Right. I was working in a sub shop making sub sandwiches, you know, and I'm like, (laughs) all my friends went off to college and I just felt so left behind, you know. And uh, I was like, okay, I've got to go to college, make some kind of a career, right? Yeah, right. And it was when I signed up for college classes. It was like a community, you know, junior college. Right. Um, just I started signing up for classes that interested me. And that's when I started making A's for the first time in my life. Yeah. You know, the only wow. other A's I ever made was like music and gym, you know, lunch. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite. Recess. I was really good at eating lunch. <laughs> And, um, you know, so the fr- fr- I started making A's, and it, it just was really, the Lord began showing me, you know, you're not stupid after all, Laura. You just weren't interested. Right. Right. <laughs> and although I learned to overcome my educational hurdles, I still had to work through the lies of self, you know, image, and what had become into me, really what I discovered was a spirit of self-hatred. Wow. You know, that's what latched onto me with. And so many kids mm-hmm. deal with this even now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so sad. And, and isn't it crazy how our experiences from childhood shape us into who we are today? Yeah. And, and you know that God was cheering for you when you were making those A's, even though it, did, it took you to college to get that to that point. Right. He wanted you to know that you're not stupid. Yeah. It's an amazing, uh, sorry, it's amazing how he knows how to turn it around if we really allow him to help us. Right. You know, I'm just going to add this into yeah. later on in life. You know, I, I, I did go back to school. I did, you know, I got most of my degree. I didn't get a full bachelor's, you know, right. and I started being a teacher's aide. And where did they need help? They needed help in special education. So oh, here wow. I was working with kids that had learning disabilities, behavior disorders, emotionally disturbed students, you know, things and like you that. you could relate. And, well, and that was what was so good. It was like I could sit there with them if they were struggling with a subject and say, wait, I've got a trick that I learned. Let me teach it to you. Oh, and it was so beautiful how God turned what was bad in my life to something I could use for good and yeah. help and encourage. Like that was my goal as a teacher Yes, was just, just instill life and encouragement and lift them up and help them to see things, see their lives as God created them. So they don't them. grow up. Feeling the same way right. you did, and yeah. attacked, and, and having that that uh, that mm-hmm. life felt like you're stupid. Yeah, because a know? lot of those kids came from you know some broken homes and right. things, right. and I could just you know give them encouragement every day. That's awesome. Yeah, That's so beautiful. That's so mm-hmm. 
All right, you know, I've been praying for this episode about fear for a few weeks, and even more intensely over the past few days. And there's much that God has to say on the subject of fear. Our Father's heart, it hurts for the ones that are living in fear every single day. And there's so many of us, you know, Mm -hmm. there's so many of us. They live in fear because they don't know how to overcome it. They don't know how to walk away from it. They don't know that it's all coming from the enemy. And some don't even know that there is an enemy that it's doing this to them. Right, right. right. They don't understand that fear causes so many destructive issues in their life. So that's why we're doing this episode on fear, right? Our heart is to help people see the truth about fear and how it hurts us, how it tears us apart, how it divides us. And it just really stinks that Satan is successfully doing an amazing job in destroying many of God's children through fear. Yeah, It brings death. It brings destruction and division. And as long as we keep believing the devil's lies, he will continue to use fear to destroy us. Yes. There's There's a better way, though. There's a better way. And there's a way to overcome all of it. And that is through God, our Father. We need to learn how it affects us and then go to God and ask him to help us remove it from our lives. Yes, and he definitely will. Yeah. Right. Yep. You know, I read an excerpt. A, um, I would like to read one from the book, Letting Go of Fear, written by Neil T. Anderson and Rich Miller. They give a good description on where fear first entered into our world. Oh, this will be good. Yeah, it says, the Lord God called the man. Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. They are referring to Genesis 3, 9 through 10. They continue, in this familiar passage, the Bible clearly identifies the first negative feeling that entered the human experience. God in his omniscience knew the many stressful feelings we would encounter once sin entered the realm of our experience. Mm. In the Garden of Eden, fear was the original disturbing emotion resulting from Adam's sense of disobedience and rebellion. Anxiety, fear, and panic have prevailed ever since. Right. Almost everyone at one time or another has felt helpless in the face of these troubling feelings. Today, we're living in the age of anxiety. Right. And the root of their issues is a strong sense of disconnection from God and from those in the body of Christ. This sense of isolation and alienation is painful, as is the sense of impatience over how to manage or control the feelings. God is the source of our freedom from fear. Yes, he is. Yes, the devil deceived Eve, Adam's wife, and she ate from the forbidden tree. Adam made the fatal choice to join her, and both died spiritually. Their souls were no longer in union with God, and Adam remained physically alive for centuries because his soul was still in union with his body, but he eventually succumbed to the law of death. Adam was created to be physically and spiritually alive, but sin separated him from God. Now all the descendants of Adam and Eve are subject to the law of sin and death, for we are all born dead in our trespasses and sins. That's every one of us. Yes. We're all descendants. So the immediate emotional consequence of being separated from God was fear. And in Genesis 3.10, he says, Why was Adam afraid? There was nothing in the Garden of Eden to fear. He had no neurological illness that needed medication. There was no learned phobias that he had to unlearn or flesh patterns that had to be crucified. There's only one explanation for Adam's fear. He was separated from God. 
And there's nothing more fearful than to be totally abandoned and utterly alone. Mm. Right. And it's the separation from God that gets us every time. Yeah. And Satan knows that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, this fear draws us away from the Lord and his protection. And it allows the enemy to come in and instill fears that grow and they continue to build, eventually destroying our health, our relationships, our minds, and so much more. And most people don't even realize it's happening to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. I have a similar situation when I was younger. And I was, you know, going to school, and again, this fear affected my mind. Was I was really afraid of dogs? Yeah. Like I had a huge fear of dogs, and it wasn't because of, you know, I had some kind of horrific encounter with a dog myself. It was because I watched my two older sisters react around dogs. Right. And it was my oldest sister that, you know, once had a scary encounter with this big Great Dane running down a sidewalk, and it jumped right over, and it freaked her out. <laughs> And so when she was little, she became afraid of dogs, right? Mm-hmm. And so because I had my other sister was, you know, second in line. I'm the baby of the girls. So yeah. my other sister saw my oldest sister getting afraid. So then she became afraid. And I watched them. So I became afraid. <laughs> you know, it was just a learned the response. Trickle down effect. <laughs> right, right. But I, I, I believed. See, the thing is, I was watching my sister's behavior. And I believed by watching my sister's what what they were dealing with was real. So I believed that it was real myself. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So I was so afraid of dogs that whenever our family went to go, you know, visit someone's home or we were invited to dinner, my parents had to ask them to put their dog up or I wouldn't even come into the house, you know. And when the dog was securely behind the door, I could hear him, you know, kind of scraping behind the door yeah, and or stuff. Barking. Yeah. Right, because they just want to be out there with everybody. Yeah. I was still nervous that someone might let that dog out. So it still filled my gut with fear. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I might get out. And when I was in grade school, I was very shy and timid. And one day, someone let a dog into the school. Uh Uh-oh. That poor dog. (laughs) He was just so happy to be around the children. And he made his way into our classroom. I I remember him walking through the desks and his tail wagging, you know. (laughs) He just wanted to pass. (sighs) Right. And I immediately screamed. And I jumped up on top of my teacher's desk. Uh The teacher yelled at me, get off the desk. And I just said, not until you get that dog out of here. (laughs) Miss Shy, Laura, you know, (laughs) get the dog out. I started crying, you know, because I was so embarrassed in front of all my classmates. And this, you know, was all because of an irrational fear that I had learned in my mind and believed for myself to be true, even though it wasn't true. Right. You know? And it wasn't until my parents actually got us a dog for our own family, and I realized there was nothing to be afraid of, you know, with dogs. I actually love being around dogs and animals to this day. I love their affection. You know, we we had many dogs, you know, and I had a beloved dog that was actually for my son. But, of course, you know, who ends up taking care of the dog? Mom. Mom. (laughs) Yeah. And she just followed me around everywhere. She was a wonderful dog. Yeah. She was great. We're all dog lovers here. Yeah. I have two. Uh, Great Pyrenees. His name's Riley. And a golden retriever. Her her name's Bella. Mm. I love my doggies. Mm -hmm. All right, Susan, don't you have a couple of dogs too? Yes. I have a golden named Sparkle. Oh, Sparkle. (laughs) (laughs) My daughter got her when she was eight. Oh. I named her. And, um, And a bouncing boxer boy. Yeah. A bouncing boxer boy. Yeah. Leo. Got a lot of energy, I bet. Oh, yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, I have a similar story about someone having a fear of something and putting that fear onto someone else. Mm -hmm. Uh, This happened earlier this year, as a matter of fact. It was when me and my family went to visit Niagara Falls for the first time. 
there was this, well, my husband's been, but the rest of us hadn't. Mm -hmm. There was this bridge you could walk on, and we were up really high. The wind was blowing really strongly up there. When you're up high, you you know, it's much, much windier. It was a little scary, and, you know, but we still had so much fun. Mm -hmm. But as when we were walking on, it is. Yeah. It's so cool. Did you go on the Canadian side or the New York side? Just the New York side. Okay. Yeah. Because I've been on the Canadian side. They say that there's a better view over there, but... It was just, it was absolutely gorgeous. It was gorgeous. the whole, we didn't know if you had to have the COVID-19 right. stuff to get on the Canadian yeah, side. Yeah, when I went, it was like when I was, you know, 15, so yeah. it was a long time ago. And I didn't want to deal with it, because we're not, we're not we're not believers of the vaccine, so. Um, it was when we were walking off the bridge that we saw a family standing near the elevators. Mm-hmm. It was a mom and a dad, a mom and a dad and their three children. And one of the children wanted to get on the elevator to ride down. That's normal, right? Let's go, let's right. go. But the father had this petrified look on his face and he was explaining to his children that elevators are scary. They should never ride on them because they could get hurt. Wow. And the mother's just sitting there listening to it. She doesn't ever say anything. She just she just stands there. I'm thinking, what in the world? You know? Mm-hmm. And there was other people standing around us too. It wasn't just me and my husband and my family. There was other people and we're all just looking at this guy like, going, What wow. are you doing? Yeah. And by the time he was finished explaining, all three of his children were crying. He terrified them. Oh my goodness. Oh. And they were scared of the elevator. So he portrayed that fear that he had onto them. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked at how quickly this man's fear was put onto his children. And now they'll be terrified of eleva- elevators maybe for the rest of their lives. Well, because of this. We pray that they don't. We, we pray, pray that they, they break don't. free we from and that. I did. I've already prayed for them. So he gathers family to the stairs, and I could still hear the children crying after the doors were closed. Wow. It just broke my heart. Yeah. And I did. Sad. I immediately stayed a prayer for that, for that whole family. All right. I have a word that I want to share from my father about here, about fear. Sorry. Uh, I actually received this word, two words, back to back, one from God and the other one from Jesus. It's a heavy subject, so I've been doing lots of praying and waiting on the Lord about this topic, and I said earlier that he has lots to share about it. Mm-hmm. So that The first one I received was on Saturday, September the 17th of this year, 2022. The second one was the very next day, Sunday, September the 18th. And before I received the word that Jesus from Jesus on that Sunday, he took me down for a, bit, a visit to the bowels of hell, and I saw Satan face to face, and it wasn't fun. And I'll share that whole experience and the word that Jesus gave me next week on part two of fear. Okay. So on September the 17th, I went to my prayer corner to sit and and to wait on God. And I knew he wanted to give me a word about fear because he mentioned it to me the day prior. Like I said, I've been praying. So uh, he asked me to come back. So I did. And as I was sitting there, I felt in my spirit that this topic, it's it's heavy. It's it's very important to God. And he wants Mm -hmm. us to get it deep down, right? Because we suffer because of this. Yes. He wants to understand. He wants us to understand that we have authority over the enemy. Yep. He wants us to know that we could take authority over fear and cast it back to the pit of hell. Yep. That's yes. where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And I'll share more about that next week. So like I mentioned before, I've been praying about this topic for a while. And while I was waiting on God to share his words with me, I felt in my spirit that this is something that he wants us to take very seriously. Mm-hmm. He wants us to get it deep inside of ourselves. Because we can overcome so many things in our life that we, if we understand how fear works. Yes. All right, yeah. so this is what our Father said. Fear comes from darkness. And when my light shines on darkness, fear flees every single time. My light, my love, will deliver you from anything that you fear. The enemy uses fear in almost everything he does because fear controls you, which means he controls you. Yeah. 
You cannot live in total freedom if you have fear in any area of your life. The enemy knows this. It's why so many are consumed with fear. And this is not how you are meant to live. Listen to my words today. If you hear words that cause fear, if you see or experience something that causes you to fear, it is not from me. It is from the enemy of your soul. Flee from it. Do not partner with it. Cast it down by speaking my word over it. My word is your weapon, your sword to defeat the enemy. With my sword, you shed my light and all of heaven's army of angels will come to your aid. Yes, an entire army will come to defeat the demons that are causing you to live in fear. The enemy wants to keep you in bondage, but you can break free from it. Ask me and I will come to destroy the enemy that would dare to hurt one of my children. The fear that the enemy has placed upon my people, the control that he thinks he has over my people, is all about to change. The enemy would have you believe that you will live like this forever. But I say, fear not, for I am here. I will always be here to guide you, to show you that you don't have to be afraid of anything. I will give you the strength to overcome any fears that you have. And I ask that you trust in me. I am waiting for you to ask me. And when you do, you will have all of heaven on your side. And all of your fears will fade away. I will show you who you are meant to be, who I created you to be. I am here. And when I am near, you have no reason to fear. So good. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Father. That was such a good word. Well, I think he made his point, right? Yeah. We are not to fear. We are to cast the enemy down when he whispers words of fear, whether it be through our mind, our family and friends, or a media source. If it causes you to fear, you are to speak God's words over it. And if you are confused for any reason by something you hear, see, or feel, you can go to him and ask for revelation. Our Father will calm your fears and give you a fresh perspective on whatever situation you're up against. All right, we're going to close for here for today. We ask that you join us next week for part two of fear. We have so much more that we want to share on this topic. And we hope that you hear what God is saying. His message is, do not fear. We'll also talk more about what you can do to overcome your fears next week. So don't miss it. Right. You know, I just want to close with this scripture. And it's, it's a scripture that's been very meaningful to me. For God, it's from 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Yeah, that's a good one. Yes. All right. Today's episode was edited by Caitlin Beck. We appreciate all that you do for us, Caitlin. We want to reference a few books and, and their authors. The first book is Fear, No Longer Afraid by June Hunt. The second book is Letting Go of Fear by Neil T. Anderson and Rich Miller. And the last book is My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Yeah. Yes. Good books. Before you go, we invite you to please leave a written review anywhere you listen to this podcast. The more positive reviews we receive will lead to more listeners that God can reach. Also, please subscribe. We would appreciate it very much. And thank you for listening and allowing us to pour pure truth into you today. And we'd love to hear from you. So please email us at puretruthpodcast3, that's the number three, at gmail.com. Yes, and please visit our websites. Mine is kathyzaka.com. And mine is, and it's changed, it's uh, laurapotter.us. Yes, so glad. Yes. so glad you got that down. Yeah. And susanoffen.com. And we hope you'll join us next time. And remember, live thirsty. 
thank you, and may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you and give you his peace. Until next time, Susan, Laura, and Kathy. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.